The Altarebbe passed away 10.30, Matzoy Shabbos Kedish, Parshas Shmeis, Elech of Dalteves, Tovko Fayin Gimel. And I already told you last week that um, five days before he passed away, he writes, his gallbladder burst, Rechman Litzlan, and he suffered in agony, terrible, terrible Yisur, not that I've had for those five days of his life, until he passed away, Matzoy Shabbos Kedish, Parshas Shmeis, Elech of Dalteves, Tovko Fayin Gimel. So I was telling you that the Rebbe made this Fabrengen, and he wanted to start the Fabrengen at the time that Al-Tarebbe passed away. So it's a Makhtarik says that Al-Tarebbe passed away, Chatsi Shah Achas Essay, 10.30 at night. Now in the wintertime, Shabbos comes, goes out, let's say 5.30, a quarter to 6. There's no reason to start a Fabrengen 10.30 at night. You could easily have started 9.30 or even 8.30 or even 7.30. But the Rebbe made the Fabrengen 10.30. He called it for 10.30 because he wanted to start a Bediyah Gnoi at the moment of Al-Tarebbe's Histalkis. So Rabbi Bar Lipsker, our Rabbi Bar Lipsker, told me the Rebbe came in 1037. So all the Chassidim were saying that the reason he came in 1037 is because that's the precise moment of the Histalkas. How the Rebbe knows these kinds of things, this is Rebbe's Kezachan, but the fact is he came in seven minutes late, and you need to understand that for most of the years of the Rebbe's Nesias, you could set your clock by the Rebbe. The Rebbe was, I remember this as a child, he was precise to the second. 130 was never 131. It was always exactly on time. So the Rebbe is coming in seven minutes late. Hasidim took it as a Rebbe, and this was the exact moment of the Histalkas. The Alter Rebbe's Guf Kaddish was carried from Hadich, from, sorry, from Piene to Hadich. The three people who carried Alter Rebbe's remains were his grandson, the Tzemach Tzedek, his other grandson, Reb Nochem, Menachem Nochem, the middle of Rebbe's oldest Bukhar, and his great-grandson, the eight-year-old Rebbe Sholem. Rebbe Sholem was our Rebbe's Zaydez, Zaydez. And he was an eight-year-old who had, it was a big badass, was special. And he was very close to the Alter Rebbe, to his great-grandfather. And his whole life, the Friedrich Rebbe writes, his whole life he had a certain sadness about him because he literally never recovered from the stalkers of his aid, of the, of his elder's aid, of the Alter Rebbe. He was a big badass. Alter Rebbe had a special connection to him. He taught him in Yonim that he didn't teach other people like the Kriyas Atele, the Trap of, of Emes, E of Mishnei Tilev, It was incredibly cold. They carried the Alter Rebbe on a sled. They would stop in a catchment an inn to warm up. But they wouldn't all three go inside. Two would go inside and one stayed with the Guf Kaddish and Alter Rebbe. They would take turns. And Vesach, this Kamamaisis, the Goyim thought they were carrying a treasure. They wanted to kill them. The Goyim got drunk and they fell asleep. They were able to escape. Another story which is told that the Chazir at started to be Mechatet. He started to roost under the Guf Kaddish. Alter Rebbe's Guf was suspended in the air like the Maisis with Eliezer and Avraham. They took him to Hadish, Al Rebbe was, was buried in Hadish, interned in Hadish. And that's where Al Rebbe's seeing is. Now, one of the interesting details about Al Rebbe's Histalkus was that when Al Rebbe passed away, his son, Memale Makemi, the Mittal Rebbe was not around. Why was the Mittal Rebbe not around? Because remember, Al Rebbe had burnt his house to the ground when um, he uh, ran away from Napoleon. So he had no place to go back to, he had no home in Liadi. So the thought was, the war, when the middle of ever left, the war wasn't over, but it was ending. I read in a Rashima someplace, from Chassidim Azoy, that the Al-Tarebbe's Estalkos was at the moment the very last French soldiers crossed the border from Russia back into France. So al had no place to go back to. So the decision was made that he should at least temporarily relocate to a city called Kremenchuk. Kremenchuk. And the Mittler Rebbe went there to purchase homes or to rent homes, to make accommodations. He was living deep in Russia, there was no Jews and so on. When the Mittler Rebbe came back, he found out that the Al-Tarebbe was in Stalak, he chalashed. 
So they revived them and they chalished again. They revived them and they again. It got to the point that it was clearly a sakona pasha. They kept on fainting. So they revived him and they told him that they lied to him. That the real Dr. Rebbe was still alive. But that he was very, very, very ill. So he stopped fainting. And then slowly but surely they broke the news to him that in fact Al Rebbe was nostalgic. Repeatedly. And they were afraid for his life. So what did they do? They got a big box of ksovim, Yeshriv and Echsidis. And remember, the Al-Tarebbe's memorim, Al-Tarebbe did not write himself. It was written by the Hanochis, by the Manichim, the Pechus Rezis, the Mitle Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, and the Maril. The Firikabbe said that Al-Tarebbe had five Manichim. And they put it right next to him, and then they revived him. And when the Mitle Rebbe saw the Echsidis, the Mitle Rebbe said, We have with what to live. And he stopped fainting. Now there's a story which I believe, I'm almost sure that it's in the Sefer L'Shema Eizen, Abzalman Duchman. Abzalman Duchman tells over these mices that he heard from a Mordechayel. Abzalman Duchman had a, a Zaydin, a Mordechayel Duchman, who was a Chassid Sherid. And he, he knew of Isaac Homeland, which was not Rebbe's Chassidim. But it looks like this Mordechayel also knew Reb Nochem. Because Reb Nochem, the last, Reb Nochem had a very big Arichas Yom, it was a very, very long time. Lived in his 80s, maybe 90s, and a very big Arichas Yom. And Reb Nochem spent the last 20 years of his life living by the Oyhalim. 20 years he lived by the Oyhalim. Azeg ben Amol, Gresa, El Tere, Hasidim lived by the Oyhalim. Most of that time he lived by his father, by the middle of But in the middle, for seven years, he moved from his father's seat to his grandfather's seat. And there were two reasons why Reb Nochem made this trip from his father's seat to his grandfather's seat. Which I explained to you at length last time. So Reb Nochem was living in Hadich. Yutis was always a Fabrengen. And he would tell the whole Arichas Asipur of, uh, of Yutis Kislev, Chavdal Tev is also a Fabrengen. So when he would tell the story, the Rebbe Zistalkos, he would say as follows. Mele de Tate, my father, Mele de Kemoich, Mele de Kemoich, but Freyde, Hotas de Jekent Iberkum, Freyde was the Rebbe's daughter. She was the Bechere. She was older than the Mitle Rebbe. Mitle Rebbe was the third of six children. The Rebbe had three girls and three boys. The oldest was Freyde, the second was the Vedale, the third was the Mitle Rebbe, the Pashas. She was a Meredika Vardas, Al Rebbe said she had Mishnah of Amad Dhura. She got sick. Al Rebbe passed away, she got sick. And she got sicker and sicker and sicker. And in Sivan she passed away the same year, five months later, Anerach. Before she passed away, she called the Khaver Kadisha and she said that she wanted they should bury her next Al Rebbe in the Eil. The Khaver Kadisha wouldn't even think of such a thing to bury anybody as next Al Rebbe. But when it came the time for Yitzhak and Shama, she called a Minyan Chasidim. And they stood around her bed and she said, Krishna. All the things you're supposed to say before you die. But Marindika clarity with Marindika presence. And when she finished, she started saying very slowly with an incredible Yishmak, Elikai, my God. The Neshama you put into me is pure. Atavarasa, you created it. Atayatata, you formed it. You blew it into me. You preserve it within me. And then she said, You will one day take it back from me. And when she said those words, she shouted, Behold, Father, I'm coming. That was her histalkus. After such a histalkus, they buried her right next to the Alter Rebbe. In Alter Rebbe's Eihel, in Gaddish, there's two places. One is the Alter Rebbe, and one is his daughter, Fretia. This is the story of Alter Rebbe's histalkus. Now, before we finish talking about the Alter Rebbe, there's a story that I must tell you, which is in Fala Khan's Mises, in Shmuz Vesipurim. And the story basically is that 15 years, 15 years, that's what Alter Rebbe says, 
It was a Yid who was living by the Alter Rebbe's Tzien in Hadich. As I explained to you, it was common for Alter Hasidim to spend their last years living at the Alter Rebbe's Tzien or the Oil, whichever Rebbe they had lived with during their lifetime and who was madrich them and brought them closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And two Balabatim, two Jews who looked quite modern, came into the Oil and just absolutely spilled their guts. They became incredibly, incredibly emotional. They cried bitter tears. And there was clearly great hisaidus and tshuva and remorse and so on. This elder Chassid watched these two Jews and it was quite surprising that such modern people would should so, show so much emotion. So when they walked out, he approached them and he asked them who they were. And he said, you don't look like Hasidim and how is it that you come here and display such emotion? So they told the, the Chassid that we're here because your Rebbe even though he passed away 15 years ago, was Berabim Heishiv Me'ovan, he brought us back to Tshuva 15 years after his Histalkus. And they told him the following story, that there are Erlachayidin from Ashtetl, who learned and davened and served Hashem and lived a real traditional life, but they couldn't make a living. So they decided to try their luck at business, and they traveled out into the world to do trade, and they succeeded. They made uh, quite a bit of money. They became quite successful. And every year they would alternate. Some months they were home, some months they traveled. As they were traveling, they were obviously tempted by the so-called greater world, the modern world. And slowly but surely they began making compromises. It reached a point that they were literally living double lives. At home they were from Haredi And when they were in the Vegans, when they traveled, they were literally not from. Anyway, once they came to a hotel to stay... And they told the hotel they want to eat. The proprietor, they want to eat. So he said to them, you look like Jews, he says. I can feed you immediately, but I can't give you kosher. If you want kosher, you have to wait. So they said, we have no time for such nonsense. We're not superstitious. We eat any food as long as it's healthy and tasty. Feed us whatever you have. Fine. So he put them in a room, and a few minutes later, they heard the door to their room lock from the outside. And they realized that they were locked in, trapped. And of course, the windows had bars and so on. They realized that they were being held hostage. A few minutes later, the door opened, and the proprietor came in with one or two of his sons, bloodshot, looked very drunk, holding little hatchets, tomahawks they call them, and they said, we're going to kill you and take your wealth. So, of course, these two Jews panicked, and they began to beg for their lives, and they said, take all our money, let us go, we won't tell anybody, and they said, listen, this was the adage of the 19th century. Dead men tell no tales. If you're dead, there's no witnesses. We're going to kill you, dispose of your bodies, and that's the safest way to commit a crime which cannot be uncovered. And they begged and pleaded and begged and pleaded, and the goyim said, no, get ready to die. So in desperation, they said, you know what, give us some time, we want to repent. And then these goyim walked out of the room, and they had time to do tshuva. Anyway, the door closed, and these two Yidden had so much to think about. They had been from, they were still acting from and around their families, but they were living, living double lives. And they spilled their guts, and for hours they did tshuva, and they begged the Abishta to forgive them, and begged the Abishta to beg their wives and children that they should be forgiven, and so on. After hours and hours of tshuva, the door opens up again, and they're expecting to see the murderers. And instead, this guy walks in again with one of his sons, with a tray of kosher food and he doesn't look drunk and he's not angry and he's not killing them. And he puts it down on the little table and says, Est, eat. They obviously were very taken aback 
And they said to this guy, I thought we were supposed to die today. He says, no, you weren't supposed to die today. You were simply supposed to correct your ways. And they said, what is this? You come in here threatening to kill us, and now all of a sudden you're so nice. So he told them as follows. He says, 15 years ago, a holy man passed away in this room. And shortly before he passed away, he called me. And he said to me, if two Jews ever come here, and they say that they don't need to eat kosher, you should know what you need to do. So this guy said, I have guarded this with me all these years. And when you came and you said that you didn't care about kosher, I realized this was my opportunity to fulfill the instructions of this holy man. And I had to get you to do tshuva. And he did this by threatening to kill them. And of course, these two Jews were very taken by this. And they both agreed that now that they were given life, they would return to HaKadosh Baruch and be Elech even when they traveled. And they said to this guy, can you please tell us where this holy man is buried? You want to go to his re- remaining, his gravesite and be Mishtateach and uh, do tshuva some more and of course thank him for his intervention in our assimilation. And that's why these two Yidin had arrived at Alter Rebbe Sin in Hadish. This is the Maisa. Now there's another Sipa which I was hoping to tell you today which is indirectly connected to Alter Rebbe's Hestalvus. And I'll tell to you Bekitzeh and Bekitzeh Razman. And that is that the Tzazah Pelish is for and the Rebbe once repeated by Fabrenga that in Tovkuf Ayin Hay, and this year is the 200th anniversary of Tovkuf Ayin Hay, there were three tzaddikim who decided that they're going to bring Mashiach al tzaddikim, not al everybody, but al tzaddikim. How are they planning to bring Mashiach? They planned that on some chasteira they would make Yehudim, and together they would break the chayshach goals and bring Mashiach again. The three tzaddikim were the Vesol of Kajnitz, the Menachem Mendel of Rimenov, and the Chayzah of Lubli. They said the tzaddikim that are going to be now for Yidin were not going to be able to survive. What happened? The Koshen Samagid passed away out of Sukkot. And the Chayzeh Nublin, it was called the Chayzeh because he saw everything, didn't see this. So when Akeel Leil Simchas he sat down under a window to do this meditation, this Yehudim. And he told his rabbits that she should look at him and not take her eyes off him for an instant. And he sat there deep in meditation for a very, very long time. And she was looking at him and eventually, there was a lot of noise, there was Simchas she looked away for an instant, for a second. When she looked back, she saw a hand reaching in the window and pulling him out and he disappeared. It was a small little window. The window was full of empty beer bottles that the Hasidim were drinking for Simcha stayed in. The, the beer bottle stayed in the window and the Chayda disappeared. They found him a few hundred Amits from the Bismedrish laying on the ground, groaning in pain. Every bone in his body was broken. They picked him up and they carried him to the Bismedrish. And he said he didn't know that the Kajitza Magid had passed away. If he had known, he would never have tried it. If not for the conscious of Magid, put underneath him the edge of his kapata, he would have died on the spot. The misnagdim in uh, Lublin heard that he was sick and they said, oh, when he's going to pass away, we're going to make a big fabrengen, we're going to say, Alchayim, do a big misnagdim. But the Chayzeh Azagetan, when I pass away, no one will be able to drink water. And he passed away in Tisha So the conscious of Magid passed away out of Sukkot. The Chayzim of Lublin passed away out of Tisha He passed away like Bayman, also the same year. His Talmud, the Metholi Rapshitzer, and I told you this last time, Metholi Rapshitzer had sided with Alter Rebbe. He had passed away Lagbeimer. Motzal Lagbeimer, Rapshitzer Rebbe laid down on top of his Rebbe's Gulf Kaddish, and he said, Rebbe, when will Mashiach come? When will Mashiach come? And the already deceased, Menachem and Limon have opened up his eyes, and he looked at his Talmud, and says, Naftali, when I wanted, you didn't let. We're going to have to come on to copper buttons 
and green worms until Mashiach comes. People say it means the Nazis. But these Sadiqim wanted to bring Mashiach because they anticipated the Mudim, the Kitsaras, Yidim would have, and we wouldn't be able to survive them. I saw in Teda Sholem that the Alter Rebbe disagreed with them because the Alter Rebbe Pashat knew that it wasn't yet, yet the time for Mashiach to came. This is going to speak the end of the story where these Tzadikim tried to finish what they had started two years earlier. Unfortunately, they failed. And we're now in Golos 200 years more. This is the 200th anniversary. And I am a believer in anniversaries. Even though it's an anniversary of Mapoyle Shemaise, but it's an anniversary of Mapoyle Shemaise, but the Rebbe did So what's going to happen is this. Next time, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some of the Alter Rebbe's Hasidim. And then eventually we'll move on to the Middle Rebbe.